Hello, everybody, and welcome. Hope everybody's having a fantastic Wednesday. It's happy hour, so cheers. And thanks, everybody, for joining in. I'm super excited about today's guest. And uh, you know, we've been having so much fun doing all of these happy hours. And uh, as many of you guys know, I am a huge proponent of supporting women in automotive, um, but not just on the mechanical side, obviously, women in all of the different areas of the automotive industry, including race car driving. So today we've got a pretty spectacular female racer, Megan Myers, who's joining us. She's the 2019 top alcohol dragster world champion um and that's a pretty phenomenal thing she's going to be joining us in just a little bit and sharing her story and actually i'm going to see if she's requested in yet <gasps> yay <laughs> how are you girl i am good how are you oh my god oh my god oh wait my head's getting cut off let me we don't want to have our heads cut off oh yeah. my gosh cheers happy yes happy, happy let me hour. get so i don't i don't have um a drink drink, but I have, I have my Moscow Mule cup and I have some sparkling ginger apple water. Ooh. It's like Moscow Mule. Sparkling ginger apple water. That sounds fantastic. I've never heard of it. I'm gonna have to try it. <laughs> so here's my, my drink. Well, cheers. Whatever floats your boat. Oh my gosh. So the last time you and I saw each other, it was literally like, I don't know, two weeks before COVID shutdowns happened. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God. So we haven't touched base since then. So how's, um, how's the pandemic been treating you? <laughs> um, things are okay. Other than like, to be honest, things are like pretty much back to normal here, except for the fact that we are not racing. So, I mean, that's really the biggest change <laughs> that happened. I'm, I'm naive. So you'll have to inform me. I'm like, I've not really I'm not a race car girl. I've never really done all of that. So I don't know. Would you normally be in season? Like, is there, like, would you be racing yes. now normally? Yeah. So, um, the, so like July is our slow season just cause like it's so hot out. Um, but yeah, so from February to, well, it's just February to November okay. is the whole season. That's like um, yeah, <laughs> down a little bit in the summer. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, we only get like two months off, so. <laughs> All right. So has it, like, how has this affected your your season? Like, you've had so many months off. Like, how does that, how are they handling all of that? Yeah, so we did have a race um, three weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. It was, well, it was Memorial Day weekend. We had a race, and it was in, in Dallas, and it was our first race since the middle of March. Oh, wow. And so... They have done, let's see, that would have been the fourth race of the year that NHRA has done this year. So we skipped the first two because they're on the West Coast and we just don't go out there. Um, and then, well, one of them, they don't even run our class in. So, um, so to, just to tell everybody, I run in the top alcohol dragster class, which is just one step below of the top fuel cars. And so um, we are technically in two different series racing under NHRA. So that's why um, at some races, you don't see all the classes because uh, part of that series can't come to the race. So we don't race at all of the races. Okay. Um, and there are there are races that we go to that the top fuel guys do not go to. So 
Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> I did not know that. Awesome. Um, so, so with that, actually, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a, of a background of, of who you are? I, I, I know that you were world champion last year, which is freaking amazing. Um, and my understanding is that you're the first woman in NHRA history to be world champion in the top alcohol dragster class. Is that right? Yes. That's yes. amazing. So yeah. like rewind for everybody a little bit because um, I, I don't know much about racing. I'm going to be totally honest. I know yeah. you and I adore you. Um, but a lot of folks that are watching are just meeting you for the first time. And so they may not know your history, your story. So how did you like, how did you start? How long have you been racing? Tell me, tell me a story. <laughs> yeah. So I got started driving 17 years ago when I was 10 years old. So I was gonna say um, like five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so way back, like in the seventies was when my dad got started racing with his older brother. Okay. And then, um, so I've been around it my entire life. Um, I have a lot of older cousins that race. And so that's how um, we really got started in the class for kids, which is called junior dragster. Okay. And so you race that when I started, it was, you could start at eight years old. Now you can start at six years old. Oh, wow. Racing. Class. Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. So they have different um, classes based on age groups. And then each one just goes like a little bit faster, the older you get. Um, that's all eighth mile. And then um, when I was 16 years old, so I did that from eight, actually did that from 10 to 18. But when I was 16, I stepped up to the next class. So I was running two different cars from 16 to 18, which was like, it was so much fun. And it taught me a lot about racing because um, as soon as I was 16, my dad like handed us the keys to the dually in the trailer and was like, here you go. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm going off on the road. Like if you want to race, like you can race, but you got to do it all on your own. And so that's really um, what pushed me, my sister to like stay in it because if we wanted to race, like we literally had to like take ourselves. And um, there's a few times where like my mom would come if she had stayed home and she can do everything on the cars too. Like that's awesome. her and my sister are like the baddest like mechanics on our team. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, so I did those until, um, so I did juniors till I was 18 moved up to the next class while I was still racing that when I was 16. And then I did that class for six years. And so I raced all through college in that class. And what's really cool is that um, the school that my sister and I went to um, is a couple of hours away from home, but there's a drag strip 10 minutes down the road from campus. So like, of course we're going to that school. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't even imagine like juggling going to college. And do you see this? Do you see him trying yeah. to bite me? I have to shut my door or else he would be all over. Like, he I, loves the camera. I, he wants nothing to do with me all day long. And now the camera's on. He's like, oh, hey, hey, yeah. I'm going to bite you on camera. Um, <laughs> so, like, I can't even imagine balancing college and, like, just about anything. I, I mean, I worked a job and did college at the same time. But I can't imagine, like, being doing competitive racing while going to school. Was that hard? Um, it, it was, but looking back now, it's, it's not like as hard as it is now. <laughs> so, um, so we would just race on the weekends. Like we didn't really travel much while we were in school. I mean, obviously we would in the summer and all that, whenever we had breaks, um, but not while we were like 
in the fall and spring, we would just race at that track right right by campus. Um, and we would just only do points at that track. Um, and then like, I would also race at Topeka because that's an hour away from home. Um, and I'm from Kansas, if anyone didn't figure that out. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there's two tracks that we would run at. We didn't travel very much in school though, but um, like on weekends off or like during the summer when we weren't racing, we would be with our dad and be on the road traveling with him while he followed the NHRA circuit. And so, um, yeah, it was hard. And, um, you know, like I was doing summer internships, um, cause that was mandatory for me for, for our school. Um, you know, one year I worked at a sports marketing company, um, the next year I worked at, um, a printing shop. And then after that, I was doing like event coordinations, uh, with graphic design. So, so I went to school to study graphic design and management. And so I was doing websites, um, photography, videography, printing, like anything you could think of. I was doing that. And like a lot of the stuff that I learned in school is like already outdated just because everything's. (laughs) changing so much (laughs) but that explains like some of the newer stuff that you're doing in your career that I want to like I want to talk about later but I want to stay with racing for a little bit before we we shift into that I have to ask you because I had um I had Sally McNulty on um, a number of weeks back and she's kind of like the opposite story as you like she came into it later in life like didn't grow up around it so I guess like there's two things that come up for me and you and I've talked about this a little bit like there's there's some people who were saying like, oh, it's easier because you grew up in it, right? You started doing it when you were young and there's definitely some advantages to that. But then there's the other side of like working with family and (laughs) racing with family and like your whole family is involved. So like, what, like, what's that experience been like for you? It's been interesting. (laughs) So, So growing up, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And like, my dad's like, it's here if you want to do it, but it's not free, but it's here. Um, and so we had to, we had to earn our way. We had to work. I mean, nights and weekends, I was in the race shop, especially like when I did not want to, like when I'd rather be off with my friends, like going to the movies or going to the pool or whatever, I'd be stuck in the race shop. And like, I, I did not like it, like to be honest. <laughs> Like I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, but what were you doing now, in the race shop? Like, were you were doing mechanical stuff, or were you doing like the grunt stuff? No, no, I'm the one who hands my dad the tool and then has to vacuum up his mess. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no wonder you didn't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like, like, so back then we only had one car, which like seemed like a lot of work. Now we have three cars and it's like, we like now we have a full-time guy working for us. Oh, and nice. us. Um, but so, so when we would go race with our dad, like we didn't have the big, um, the big budget that we do now. And so it was, it was my dad, it was my mom, me and my little sister. And then we had one other guy who lives in Kansas city. Who's been with my dad for like my entire life. Oh, wow. And so, um, so we'd go to the racetrack. So, to work on our cars, we need at least three crew members. I mean, we can get away with two guys, um, but three or four would be great because we have one that does clutch. We have one on each side of the motor and one does bottom ends. And so after every run, we have to tear the motor apart, put fresh pieces in, put it all back together, go make another run and just repeat 
this exact same process all over again. So when it was just us, um, like my dad, like, and he's, he's a crew chief too. So he has all his data and all his stuff that he does all the, the fine tuning with. Um, so my sister learned how to do clutch and which is, in my opinion, is the worst job out of all. <laughs> Why is that? Like, well, it's the hottest and you got all this, this grease and this dust because everything's in the back of the car. And it's just, you have to wear like sleeves to cover your whole arms because it's just so hot. Oh, wow. Um, and like, like the plates will weld together if they get hot enough, like if you have a bad driver. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this would never happen to you. No, no. <laughs> Um, so she did that. I did bottom end and then, um, like my mom and then the other guy would do top end. And so that's just kind of how it was. Like I was 16 years old. I'd take off the oil pan, change, like take the rods out, change the bearings, put it all back together. Like that was my job on the car. But then I would also have to write the press releases for my dad. I'd have to take pictures and videos and then to sponsors. And like, I, like I was just in charge of all that back in the day because like my mom didn't want to do it and like I I like taking pictures so I was doing it right. um, but then yeah so that's what led me into doing graphic design and marketing and all that stuff was way back in the day when I was forced to do it but now I like to do it so right. I choose to do it yeah <laughs> somebody just asked does top alcohol have a transmission with with gears or no so we run a centrifugal clutch, okay. but there are cars that do. Okay. So what's really cool about our class is it's really diversified as far as like the motor um, and clutch setup goes. Like for, for like top fuel cars, every single one is exactly the same. They all run the same parts. I mean, they like some teams make their own parts, but it's all the exact same thing. Like that's why whenever they race, it's within tens of thousands of seconds because they all have the exact same car whereas for us it's completely different so you can have there's three different setups that they have out right now so you can have a torque converter you can have um, a blower car which the torque converter and blower car run on alcohol um, and then they have the gears and then for us we run on a mix of nitro with alcohol because we are um the um injected with uh with a centrifugal clutch so okay. <laughs> you're, what's the what's the horsepower on on your vehicle that you drive so technically we don't know because can't really put it on a dyno but we say it, it's four thousand yikes so <laughs> jesus yeah <laughs> so like that i can't even fathom that honestly, like what that experience is like. Did you, I mean, you didn't, did you start out on top alcohol, right? Like what kind of vehicle did you start with? And like, what was it like going into those kind of vehicles? The first time you drove a 4,000 horsepower machine? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> so, um, so this will be, let's see, I think this is my fifth year. Fifth, yeah, fifth or sixth year in top alcohol. So before that, um, I was just running the, my super comp dragster, which I, I got when I was 16. So I've only raced three cars um, in my life. And so um, so that super comp dragster in quarter mile, it runs about 180 miles per hour, um, seven to eight seconds. And that, that was about um, 1,000 to 1,200 horsepower. Okay. So so to go from that to 280, 
and quarter mile in five seconds, um, pulling three and a half G's um, with parachutes and, and all this stuff. Like it's very different. And and with that super comp car, we had a, a training break and delay box. So it was a lot of um, computer stuff. So like you had all these buttons on your steering wheel. It had the automatic shift um, just to bump it up into second. And so to go from that where it's very hands-on driving to now all I do is let out the clutch, hit the gas and go. Like it's so easy. <laughs> easy, except you're like going ridiculously fast and Yeah, yeah. You just gotta like you just gotta back up straight. So when you launch <laughs> straight. <laughs> all right. So somebody just asked, and I, I'm because you've like had a ton of success. Your very first year like out driving in in the top few top alcohol you were you won rookie of the year like you won a bunch of races like you took top driver you got a one, bunch of accolades so somebody asked um lady leadfoot would like to know how how do the fellas accept your successes how has that <laughs> been um it's actually been i mean great so a lot of the guys that i race with right now are guys that i watched race 15 20 years ago um against my dad yeah. and so there's no age limit on our class i mean you just have to at least be 16 and have a driver's license like yeah. that's the minimum um but i mean there's guys that are like 70 80 years old still racing that's still crazy. going super fast In yeah same I mean, class yeah same class and so a lot of the guys from back then are still in it. So they watched me and my sister grow up. Um, they all respect my dad. Like they, they could see like, we had to earn our way to get to this point. Like it wasn't just handed to us because he got old and tired and didn't want to drive anymore. Like it is not like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and of course there's like, there's younger guys getting into it. Um, there's not really many people that are like buying their own cars or like owning their own teams. A lot of it now is the guys that have those cars, um, you know, they don't really want to sell it, but they can't drive anymore. Um, whether it's funding or, or health or, or age or whatever it is, for, you know, they're not driving. Um, and so they'll just hire drivers to come in. And, and so, well, the driver pays for it. They're not hired. And so, um, so they'll just rent out the car. They come and race for the weekend. And then um, they can race on anybody else's team or whatever because the points stick with the driver, not with the car. So, so that's kind of what we do with um, the car that my dad used to drive. We do that same situation where we rent it out to other drivers that can't afford their own car or to have their own team, um, you know, truck driver, crew, parts, all that stuff because it's very expensive. So we'll just rent it out for a couple of people. Um, we have three drivers that we usually do that with nice. for every year. Then um, if they want to go to another team or move up to pop fuel, they, they can do whatever. So that, that's got to help out. Cause I know this is not a cheap sport. <laughs> yeah, it does quite a bit. Yeah. Amazing. Somebody's asking uh, Larry Laws and I know he's, he's a paint guy. So I'm going to ask this, um, are your cars painted or wrapped? They are rats. So we, um, so back in the day, they had like the aluminum body panels. I mean, no, it's like fifty panels on a car. Like, is obnoxious. <laughs> and like, I it was so frustrating getting like the Zeus buttons on because like, of course, that you would slip and then you like scratch up all your paint. Like, right. I hated that. 
<laughs> so now we have um, it's a carbon fiber one piece body. Nice. And so it's and then there's just four buttons on each side that latch it onto the car. Nice. So it's a very light, um, flexible. And then with that, we'll just wrap it so that way we can save a lot of weight. Um, and then it's a lot easier, like for sponsors and all that stuff if we got to change wraps. Do you, do you find, like, I'm listening to you and you are so freaking knowledgeable about the car and about every little bit of it. Do you find that most drivers are that knowledgeable about the cars or is there kind of a separation of like those who work on them versus those who drive them? For sure. There is. Um, you can definitely tell if someone has even like owned a car before, even like, like the junior dragster or even like what we call door car racing. It's just a, a street car, you know, a okay. car with doors on it, but you take all the tracks. <laughs> we don't have doors, so we call them door cars. Um, <laughs> you can tell based on, like, how much, how many laps, how much experience someone has. And, um, I mean, it's very obvious. Um, even, like I said, our cars are easy to drive, but you have to know how to use a clutch. And there's a lot of people nowadays that, have no idea how to fight with them. <laughs> right? And so, um, so it takes a little bit to teach them. And um, yeah, the gap is getting bigger with that. And, and for someone being in me and my sister's situation, when, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, Bogey, when we have those drivers, like, apply to be on our team, uh, you know, like, we have a lot of um, uh, restrictions you know, you have to have this many laps. You have to go, have gone this certain speed before and all that stuff. Makes sense. Um, but when someone, just because they have a lot of money um, for some reason, and one day they wake up and say, I want to be a race car driver. <laughs> and, and sometimes you have to say yes because you, you need the funding. And, and there's there's teams that will accept them, and then it takes them forever to teach them how to drive because they just have no idea. They don't understand like when you're going that fast to be able to know this is 60 feet. This is 330 feet. This is half track. Here's the finish line. Like, like people don't know where those marks are on the track. And it was so frustrating I bet. for me and my sister where like we had to work our way to get here. And just because, you know, they have money, they, they get a prize. <laughs> Yeah, ain't that the way of the world? <laughs> but it's it's very frustrating because then from a, a crew chief's standpoint, because me and my sister help our dad with that part as well. They don't give you any feedback. Like they can't tell you if it if it wobbled the tires or uh, if yeah, because they, they don't have any experience, right? They don't know what's going on, so they'll just drive through the tire shake and and mess all this stuff up or like almost hit the wall, but like. They have no idea. It's just like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you have you ever been in a wreck? Speaking of hitting walls, no. I've never. Not, not good, right? Not in my race car. Okay. I have I have on the streets. But yeah. <laughs> Your fault or someone else's? Um, it's only my fault once. <laughs> once? How many have you been in? <laughs> I've actually been in a few. Oh so I say four or five. Oh my Not God. my fault, though. <laughs> Not my fault. Uh-huh. Wrong place, wrong time. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
<laughs> nice. Um, I saw somebody asked earlier and then somebody else tried to answer, but I'm going to see if you agree. Um, they want to know what kind of engine you have mm -hmm. in there and what upgrades are to it. Yeah. So it's, it's really a lot of upgrades. Well, not really. Like compared to what you work on, it's so easy. It's just the old Hemi motors. So for our class, um, kind of back to what I was saying in the beginning where it's very diversified, you can have a, I don't know, I know what the minimum is because that's us and we run a 421. Okay. I don't exactly know what the maximum is just because we've always had the 421. Okay. Um, it's, let's say it's like a, like a, a 585. Um, for every cubic inch bigger than 421, you have to add five pounds of weight to, to make it, it more even. Oh, okay. So the guys with the big motors, because um, maybe they're the ones with the blower car, um, maybe, but maybe they also have a really heavy overweight driver, so they need a bigger motor. Um, <laughs> so that way it, it slows them down, so that way we're on an even playing field. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a 421 Hemi injected nitro, um, say about 4,000 horsepower. Awesome. I don't know like how accurate that is, but yeah, that's the basics. <laughs> All right, fair enough. If, if you hadn't grown up in your family and grown up around it, like, do you, do you think you'd still be doing what you're doing? I know that's kind of like a hard question to ask, but do, yeah. do you think you would have found your way to it regardless? I don't know. Like, if I did not grow up around it at all, I don't think so. Um, especially, like, I'm I'm in a very small town where out in the sticks, like, no one around here knows anything about race cars. Like, they they think they do because right. they they might work on something, but <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I don't think I would have. Um, I don't know, like, what. I mean, I really am into like marketing, um, like health and fitness, outdoor stuff. So it probably would have been more involved in one of those things. Um, but yeah. yeah. It's great. Like I didn't grow up around it at all. Yeah. Nobody in my family, nobody in my community, nobody in my town. Like the fact yeah. that I even got into cars at all was like craziness. Like I can't even imagine how I would have stumbled on it so I think it's just so such a like you have such an interesting story to me I and mean, then like grown up in it but I appreciate that your dad like didn't just hand you everything um I just think it's really fascinating um kind of the whole yeah. thing how about type of vehicle do you think you'd like if you had your choice right now to to race any kind of vehicle what would it be would it be the class that you're in or would you do something different if you could. I would either race the class that I'm in, um, either race Funny Car, or I would go back to racing Supercar. Okay. So, and yeah. why? Um, well, Funny Car, because, um, well, I've only ever driven dragsters, so it would be really cool to get into a short wheelbase car. And, I mean, Funny Cars are awesome because they're shifting, they're, they're swapping feet, they're doing all that stuff. Um, so it's very intense and very, a lot more skill on the driver for that type of car. So, so I would love to do that. And I probably could, if I like ever wanted to just drop what I'm doing and go do that. I like, I have a lot of great relationships with all the funny car teams out there. Cause again, they've been around forever. Yeah. Um, 
And then super calm, because again, it goes back to, to driving. It's a lot less maintenance on that car. Um, like between rounds, all you have to do is charge a battery and fill it up with gas. Like it's easy. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, um, I would say for that type of class, like what I'm in now, I would say it's 80% car, 20% driver. Okay. Super car, I would say it's 50-50. So there's a lot more skill that goes into it. Your reaction time, like if you have like a 10th of a second for your reaction time, like that's okay in that type of class. Interesting, okay. Whereas like in my class now, that would be like amazing. <laughs> so. Okay. So it's, a, it's just a lot more on the driver for that. Um, but that's something that you can just go and race every single weekend on your own. You don't have to have a big truck and trailer. You don't need parts. You don't need crews. So it's a lot easier. Um, it's, it's a lot cheaper to do that on your own. But also, um, there's so many people that do it now that they're starting to make their own little series out of it. Okay. And so with that they're getting big sponsorships for those events and so they're having huge payouts where it's like half a million dollars to win a race oh, wow. but you have to pay like a two thousand dollar entry fee but they'll have 500 cars there and you race literally for like five days straight but it's just it's a lot more competitive in that type of class so if i could go back i would do that interesting all right yeah so you've talked a little bit about driver versus car. So in in your class, what are the things that differentiate drivers as far as skill level? Like what are what would you say are your like top important skills to have that set you apart and where you, where you shine? Yeah, I mean the biggest thing that sets you apart is your knowledge about the car that you are driving. Um for like me and my sister to have that background of those having to work on it before we drove it, we understood how everything worked. And if something didn't work, probably why it didn't work. Okay. Um, and then that just in turn, that helps the crew chief that helps them tune the car, it helps everybody out. Um, and then I mean, and then you get the like, we we literally had this one guy on our team who could not put gas in it because he did not know how to. And I had to do it for him. <laughs> and like, I, I don't know, like, <laughs> um, yeah, just the basic knowledge of how a car works. And then, um, like reaction time is the next big thing. Um, I mean, for our type of class, because we're going against blower cars, so they're revved up, whereas we're just sitting at an idle. So they're naturally gonna have a better reaction time than we are. Um, but we, for our type of car, we can pull more speed on the top end. So that's why like our type of cars have the bigger mile per hour, the, the 285 that we have, whereas for them a typical speed is like 270, 275. So, so it, again, it's just it, whatever makes it fair. Uh, but if someone can get a head start on a blower car and then just keep that lead, it's so much easier. And so that's why, like, I always try to work on my reaction times. But I made a post a couple of weeks back. I saw and that. I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, like, I did a poll. And I, I think I, like, made a whole video about it. Um, but I told people, like, I don't use a practice tree, but, like, I still get really good reaction times, like, for... Our type of class and uh, there's some like mixed 
comments about that because a lot of people do use the practice tree because it's the, the only thing that you can really do at home that to, to simulate the, the to get good reaction times but for me it's more about um focus it's more about so like i like to to do yoga and like meditate so that way i can just like get in that zone um but it's also like i like to do like like tennis and like other types of sports where like it's still like reaction time and like the, the best thing you could do is like get a tennis ball and like throw it back and forth with someone and but like you know keep eye contact with them but like they're throwing the ball over here and stuff so, so stuff like that you can do to work on your reaction time you don't have to have this computer to do it um that's smart i like i like the like it's stuff totally outside of what you would think like i don't yeah. know that anybody watching expected you to say that yoga helps you or that <laughs> playing tennis helps you with your reaction yeah. time on the racetrack i think that's really cool yeah. Well, and then another thing would be archery. And so, um, so like we go bow hunting and, and even like just shooting clays with a shotgun, like you have to get in that zone and like make a split second decision and just getting that, that natural instinct to, yeah. to react, like oh, cool. that's going to help you. So, Interesting. yeah. That's fascinating. Very cool. I dig it. Um, I've got a, another question here. Let's see what this one is. Let's see. Um, Someone wants to know, when are you going back to No Problem Raceway? I'm not sure what that, is that, okay. does that make sense to you? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> is that the name so of a racetrack? It is. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so that's down in uh, Louisiana. So that's by New Orleans. And um, we only go there once a year. So that's, it's usually one of our first races of the year. So we were there in March this year. So I won't be there again until next year. Okay. So. <laughs> all right fair enough and then there was one other was what is your favorite racetrack that you've ever been to oh great question <laughs> so my favorite one is z-max dragway in charlotte okay. and um for many reasons so i won my first race there or nhra race there um back in 2016 so it was my my rookie year my second race ever and, and I won the race though. So, and it was at a track that my dad had never won it before. Oh, wow. So it's, it's kind of cool to like have that on him. Uh -huh. um, and then. How did he take then, that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so then we went back in, um, so that was 2016. Um, 2017, I don't think I won there. Um, no, I didn't. Cause I only, I won in Chicago. It was the only one I had in 2017. 2018, I won both races there. And then 2019, um, I lost to my teammate. She won the race for the first one. And then the second race, I won last year. And that's where we clinched the championship. Nice. So it, we've, I've had the most success there. And a lot of it is because we run early in the spring, late in the fall. So we get like the perfect weather when we're running there low conditions um and then also my title sponsor is ngk spark plugs and they are the main sponsor for that event also yeah. so like they, they have this big suite in the tower they bring out all their customers we even do like a race um the day before the race starts we rent so the first year we did it we got camaros to rent oh fun and someone got a little um off track with it so we were banned from doing that <laughs> oops 
So, um, and who was this someone? I can't say. <laughs> it was not. It was not me. No, okay. It was my teammate. It was not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, so then the next time we did it, we got um, uh, Camrys to race. So <laughs> that's not nearly as much fun. No. <laughs> No, it's not. Oh my god, that's um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, but it, it was cool because my mom came and she got to to drag race a car down the track, and she had never done it before. So. With all of her involvement, she'd never. Yeah, never oh. done it. Oh, how funny! Yeah. Did she like it? Um, I yeah, I don't I don't know if she cared for it, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> She's like, it's cool. I'll stick to behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Somebody, and this is a really great question. Have you ever had a hard time finding drag racing equipment your size, suits, that kind of stuff, mm. even like work clothes and boots and whatnot? Um, he's saying it's, it seems hard for his trade women friends. Yes, we did um, in the beginning. And so, um, I mean, to start off with the kids stuff, like obviously they're not going to make every single size for kids in fire suits. So, you just had to find the smallest one that could fit and then grow into it. And I, we still have <laughs> those uniforms. Um, they're still at my parents' house. Um, I bet they're so adorable. Yeah, and they're so raggedy, too, because they were hand-me-downs and okay. already had, like, holes in them and everything. But I remember the, the day that we went to pick up the junior dragsters, we had a rollback tow truck because – my my parents own a tow truck company, so we used the tow truck to pick up the cars. And um, it, was, it was two brothers that they were just teenagers. They didn't want to do it anymore. They, they wanted to do something else. So we bought everything that they had, including their, their fire suits. And I remember I I put everything on, like even the neck brace and like wore it the whole trip home. Like oh. even walked into the rest stop with it on. Like, just like I'm so, so excited. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we still have all that, so that's very special. So um, cool. Yeah, but, but moving on to, like, the older classes, um, yes, and, and they're working on it, it, mostly, like, for fire suits. Like, they used to just only do men's, and, like, men's small is what I'd get, and it'd be, like, way too big for me. Um, but, like, there's more companies now that are bringing on, uh, like, standard women's sizes, but you can customize a suit, but it's so expensive. I would say. And um, I did not do that until three years ago. I got my first custom suit. Oh. So, yeah. Is it, so for me, on like, the, on like the mechanic side, wearing a uniform that doesn't fit, it actually like got in the way of my ability to do my job. Like it was too baggy on me. It would get caught on stuff. It was like a safety issue. Do you, do you find the same thing? Like, do you feel like it's a huge difference having a suit that actually fits you yeah um and you know we kind of just got used to it too um you know and we're not working in that suit that was just our fire suit once we were in the car mm -hmm. and we would just like stuff it under the seat belts and stuff um you know just yeah, just tuck in the extra material <laughs> yeah yeah but like i mean like the pants would come up to like the middle of our waist and like you look goofy or not like that but um <laughs> But yeah, and then as far as like like the clothes that we wear, like to actually work in, like in the pit, um, I we just like use black leggings now. Um, I mean, like if we need like stuff 
I mean, like I was saying about my sister, like she uses special gloves for, for heat and stuff, but like they don't make those in women's sizes. So they have like the big old bulky gloves on and you know, can't pick up all the nuts and bolts. But it's like, it's too hot. Like I can't pick it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, so a couple years ago, actually like the pro teams were using the brand 511. And so they make a lot of um, like army and like um, uh, um, military Okay. Clothes. And so we found through them because they were sponsoring a top field team. So all their guys wore those clothes. Um, so we started using them just because like we got their discount code and I was like, well, I'll try it out. Um, they have uh, like female clothes and it's it's for like female police officers, but sure. it's like still, yeah. still like bulky, um, like kind of like cargo pants. Um, so I don't love them, but like they're they're just good work clothes um but yeah i'd rather just wear like black leggings just because they look better <laughs> <laughs> they're more comfortable most of the time yeah. yeah do you feel like you've noticed a change since you've gotten into i mean you've been in the industry and in racing world for forever do you feel like you've noticed a difference in how many women or availability of stuff for women or just how women are received in racing professional racing yeah so the like as far as like the pro classes go because that's you know that's the most seen the most heard of um it it doesn't really go more than i would say like 10 percent of the class would be females um there's not very many that make it up to that level um and then the ones that do like it's still just as hard for them to get and keep sponsors to to afford to do that so it's not guaranteed once you get up there so you do see a lot of the females struggle with that part because the guys um you know they've been driving longer they have more experience they've won more races so they're kind of the default um you know for media and all that type of stuff um but females like they are getting more attention they're starting to like do more like print stuff like covers of magazines with the females and, you know, sometimes it could be because they they actually, like, earned it and won a race, but sometimes it could be, you know, just for something else, like, for their looks or whatever, which, whatever. Um, <laughs> we could we yeah. talk about that one for, like, a whole other hour. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, it's, like, one of the, the magazines, so we have two main um publications and there's a couple others but there's just two main ones for drag racing and one of them they they have two issues that they do for women and i don't know if it's like a good or bad thing but one of them's in spring and it's called the hottest issue and then the one is in the fall and it's um i don't remember what it's called but it's like it's like i don't know i don't know if it's a good thing to separate the girls like that. Like, why don't you just promote them just as much as you would a guy? But I don't know. That's not my area. Yeah. I think that's an interesting, like, it's a whole, that's a whole topic. Like, and I see all the different sides to it. Like, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just be a race car driver, not a female race car driver? Like, it would be great for me to just be a mechanic or a technician and not like a girl technician or a female technician, right? And yet yeah. at the same time, like acknowledging that, that there's not that many of us. And so we are still kind of an oddity. And like, 
but your percentages are way higher. It sounds like there's way more women in racing than there are in, in auto mechanics. <laughs> We're only like 2.5% yeah. of automotive techs <laughs> are women. So <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it is bigger um, for like the, the sports being classes. There are more females just because again, you can do it on your own and you can, it's a lot more affordable yeah. than the big classes. Um, so for us, we have four female drivers and one male driver on our team right now so but we don't have any cr female crewmen other than me my mom and my sister so and then like the girls that do join our team like they don't want to work on the car so interesting <laughs> interesting huh. yeah all right we've got we only have, like 15 minutes left and i feel like there's so much more to talk about with you and i like yeah. i I hate it, but um, <laughs> like I want to stay. I want to keep you on for forever. We might have to yeah. do this again to do a follow up. So yes. you've been doing like you talked about the difficulty of getting sponsorships and whatnot. And you've done like a really great job with that personally. And like I, I know, and I want to give you the opportunity to talk about like you've kind of taken a little bit of a detour, kind of in your career, and just recently got into teaching and speaking and helping other people specifically other drivers with sponsorship so tell tell me about how that all came about and tell everybody what you're doing and tell me a little bit about the whole driven by social deal that you're doing yeah so so just i don't know my background in graphic design and marketing um i've been doing it for for 10 years now i've been a, a freelance designer for five years and um i i did that for the main reason of because I wanted to have a career where I could work on the road because I knew I was going to race. Like, no matter what, like, I was going to make that happen. That was my priority. So I needed a job that could fit around that. And, I mean, working for my dad full-time does not pay the bills. Like, <laughs> I don't no? get paid. So, like, I have to pay him. And so, um, so I need to that I didn't have to, to stay home for. So I've, I've had this, um, you know, this dream. And, and it's so cool. It's five years after graduating college, you know, I didn't know I would already be world champion. I didn't know I would have won. I've, I've won 20 races already. Like, I didn't know I was going to be that successful. But like, I mean, obviously, I knew I had a good team. But you know, it's just so cool because I dreamt of having this job and this career as a race car driver and all this stuff. And now it's all coming together. So now I'm focusing more on, on building my freelance work, getting more um, clients because I do hero cards. I'll do um, T-shirts. I do like magazine ads, um, basically anything that, that racers need because there's really no designers out there that are tailored for racing. And if they are, it's more like the back in the 80s with like the that same font that everybody uses and like the checkered flags and the flames you mean like... that's not cool anymore that's <laughs> <laughs> maybe for like the 60 plus year olds very diplomatic um... of you that was very diplomatic <laughs> <laughs> but but not so much anymore not for my demographic so <laughs> um so yeah, so I'm just like, if a racer needs it, I will do it. And like, I don't really charge a whole lot for it because it's more just like, I want to help people out. And, um, 
and it's just so cool because I've built such great relationships with people and a lot of it's online because I do a lot with social media. There's a lot of racers out there that I work with that I've never met. I probably will never meet because they might do, um, I don't know, like sand drag racing or they race in Australia. Like, I don't know if I'll ever meet them, but it's just so cool to use social media. So I came out with the social media course called Driven by Social and um to be honest, like it's something that I've had on my to-do list for years, like always wanted to do it. But what really made me do it was the fact that COVID-19 happened, racing stopped, and I had to cancel my wedding. And I was so emotional. Like I needed something to keep me busy. So so that so that I made that. And um I absolutely loved doing it. Like I, I had so much motivation, so much energy, so much passion for it. Like I'd stay up till two or three in the morning making PowerPoints, recording videos. And then, like the next day, like I hated it. So then I just redo everything. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love I'm glad I'm not the only one that that happens to. <laughs> like that's awful. Yeah. I've got to start all over. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And I had, I, so I wanted to launch it like in the middle of April, but like, I, it was not ready at all. So I pushed it to later on um, in to beginning of May to launch it. And it was very successful. So we have 75 students in there right now, which I was just hoping for 20 um, just because if I, if I got 20 students, I would make back um, enough money of how much it costs to make the thing. Um, so we got 75, which is awesome. And so like, I loved checking in with them and some people have completed it. Some haven't. And that's okay because it's, it's something that you have for life. So you can go, as fast or slow through it however you want to um but it's just so cool because it's like i i kind of been part of their journey now so like i'm i'm kind of coaching them on how to like market their sponsors online and do that type of stuff and it's just a passion project for me and it like it just makes me so happy and so like i definitely want to keep doing more of that so um i closed enrollment just because i didn't know like how people would take it or you know how many people would even want to do this yeah. thing so I'm going to open it up again later on this fall. I don't know exactly when, but I just want to help more people out. So, Very cool. yeah. so more, more courses in the future. Yeah, I definitely want to do an, a course about um, sponsorship because that's the biggest struggle with everybody right now is how do I get a sponsor, especially if it's um, just a local bracket racer who doesn't travel you know, more than four hours to go to a race, how can they get a sponsor? And um, like, I, I just did an Instagram live video on my page on Monday, kind of talking over this process. And it's like, you don't even have to go to a race anymore to get a sponsor. Like you can do everything online. I mean, we see it so much in like the health and beauty industry with all these um, Instagram influencers. And it's like, you can do the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's more than just putting a sticker on a car or, or wearing a t-shirt or a hat with their logo. It, it's all about the activation, the engagement. And people just don't know that and they don't understand it. I mean, like like Instagram gives you insights. You can see other than how many likes a post got, you can see who like how many people viewed it. If it's a video, you can see like how long they watched the video for. Um, and they give you like their age, their location, their gender. So it's like you have all the information that you need for free online. Just put that all in a in a packet and send it to a sponsor. Like 
that's all they need. Yeah, absolutely. And for, you know, for everybody who's watching, like we, we only have about 10 minutes left, which is awful, but um, it, Megan is awesome at sharing like all of her knowledge. She does a ton of lives. She does a ton of interactive posts and is just like really accessible and available and shares all of her knowledge and hard, hard earned knowledge with everybody. So definitely make sure you follow her and she's accessible for questions and, and all of the rest of it. I do, if anybody has any questions, please feel free to type them in or you can type them in the question box and we'll get to as many of them as we can. Um, I, I have so many questions for you. Oh my goodness. Um, so um, I saw you speaking at the Women in Auto Care conference the last time we saw each other. Was that, have you done a lot of public speaking? No. Was that your first time? <laughs> that, that was my second time okay. for Women in Auto Care. Um, I, I have done it in the past before, but it, is, it was for um, to elementary school classes. So like a lot different audience. Totally. <laughs> So I have to ask you, because like some people are terrified of public speaking, like it's a phobia for a lot of people. So which one is scarier, driving a 4,000 horsepower vehicle for the first time or speaking in public? Speaking in public. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, yeah, that's like one of the things, like the more you do it, better you get at it. I mean, like anything in life. Um, I, I mean, I'm such an introvert. Like, it, like I sweat when like I get on camera. I don't know how you do it, but like, you, like you're not doing it in front of like live audience either. So I find it easier when it's just a camera because I just imagine somebody who I like as the camera, like or yeah. or students in a class, and it's I think it's harder speaking in public than it is in front of a camera. Yeah, for sure, and like. <laughs> It's funny because like, like I used to be so camera shy, like I did not, like even like in trade shows, like going up to booths to like introduce people, I would get so shy doing that. Um, but like literally my dad would like push me and like force me to, so like I've gotten used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like, like after our runs, like if you're going into eliminations, like the, they do camera, like TV interviews with you there. So like, you know, you're going to be on TV. So like, like you just gotta practice and like get better at it. Um, but yeah, it's just so much harder and doing it on stage versus on camera. But I also noticed like even on camera, like I still forget my words all the time. And like, like I'll be honest, I have to like write it on like a piece of paper and I tape it onto my phone just below the camera. Nice. So like it looks like I'm looking at the camera, but like I'm reading whatever. <laughs> Because, like, I can never remember it. But then, of course, like, as soon as the camera's off and not recording, like, I can say say it perfectly. Right, of course. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I was so nervous getting up on stage at oh. Women in Auto Care. Um, and you that was did that awesome, by the way. You did absolutely oh, awesome. You. you did not look nervous at all. You're a great speaker, <laughs> great teacher. <laughs> and I, I bought, I, signed, I enrolled in your class. Yeah. I haven't started it yet. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. You you have it from the rest of your life and so start whenever you want. But yeah, it's like I have to already go and then like make some updates to it before I open it back up. Yeah. Because like like Instagram has changed and like added some stuff and, and cool. changed stuff. So like 
like lives aren't on stories anymore. So like I have to take that part out of the course. And um, but yeah, like it's it's just um, you know another perk of getting it. You have it for life. So whatever updates there are, you you've got them. So you don't have to repurchase it every time Instagram wants to change the algorithm. Right. Seriously, <laughs> I saw a question where where was that? Um, all right, I'm not finding it. I I saw somebody had have asked a question, but oh, you know what? I'm I remember one of them at least was words of advice to somebody who's wanting to get into racing. Hmm. Great question. Um. So the first thing, like, kind of depends on your age. Um. If you if you can't afford a car, then um the biggest thing is just finding a car to rent. Um, and so to do that, it's just, it's very easy. Just go to your local track, um, on a night that they're having a race and just build relationships with everybody. Find the team that you really connect with and, um, you know, that you want to be friends with because once you are a part of a team, like you are together all the time. So you want to make sure it's people that (laughs) That you actually get along with. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then from there, I mean, if they if they have the option of renting out the car like if the driver can step out or if you um, you know you're able to help them with funding then they kind of have to let you in the car to drive um yeah the first thing is just if you can't afford to buy your own car which you don't have to have anything fancy at all i mean you can take your street car and race it they have classes for that. So like you don't need a race car. Like you can take your regular car out there. Um but yeah, just the biggest thing is just relationships, connections, get to know the people that own the track that that work on the track and build relationships with them. I mean, that's never going to hurt you in the long run. And then um I mean from there, the the next thing would be like trying to find sponsorships and and again it goes back to I mean, if you're just someone that wants to race local, what's a local business that you could help out? Or if it's something you could do online, um, or if it, is it a retail store, is it a, a car dealership? I mean, there's just so many possibilities that you could do. You just have to get really creative because a lot of times people don't understand the fact that you're working for them. You represent them. It's not them trying to help you race. It's you are advertising for them. So how how are you better than a billboard or how are you better than an ad in a magazine or on the radio like that's your competition your competition isn't technically other racers it's other forms of advertising so it's a really good point very good point and on that note we have one and a half minutes left so (laughs) we're going to use that to say thank you to everybody who tuned in and everybody who asked all the awesome questions and if you don't follow megan make sure you do go check out her page check out her website reach out to her connect to her follow along on her amazing journey because i'm sure she's got a ton of really cool stuff up her sleeve for the future um and thank you guys so much for joining and megan thank you thank you thank you we'll have to do this again in the near future because clearly there's like a ton more that we could talk about so yes yes <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me on though yeah i've been like watching your other ones it's like oh i hope i get to be on sometimes <laughs> you know absolutely. yes <laughs> absolutely all right well hopefully i get to see you in real life soon and until then stay safe take care Bye. you too Bye.